1: I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh. Why can't we do this? Why can't we
0: have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now here's your host Tara Kennedy Clive.
1: Hey parent nation. Welcome to the show. I am so, so I am just amazed at Everything that's been going on this past week in the news, I'm so excited to share it with you. We have got an amazing lineup of guests today, people that you're really, really going to want to hear from. Um, We've got Crystal Walker and Phoebe Thompson, who are the authors of Desperate in D.C., and they're just like the funniest ladies on the planet. And then we have uh, Michael Miller, who is the founder of Toys Across America, and – He's going to tell us all about the amazing things that he does to send toys to children on the autism spectrum. And then um, in our last segment, we're going to be talking to Joe Schofield and Fiona Danks, who are uh, the founders of Going Wild. And they're going to tell us about how to get our kids outside and back into the wilderness over this summer break and off the couch and all of that good stuff. So I'm really, really excited about the show, but, you know, I always have to talk about my amazing Facebook community and the insanity that's going on in parent nation. And, uh, so, you know, Hey, my Kelly, my Kelly's always here to, you know, Hey, hey. <laughs> Oh my gosh. We had a little bit of a struggle getting you on this morning, but you know, he, Oh my gosh. So don't stress. There's enough no. stress going on. The, the rest of the world has it covered apparently. <laughs> out there in parent nation, everybody else is, has it going on. Um, a, I had a salesman show up at the door, like right before I was ready to go on the air and I'm like, hi, I don't care where you're from. Go away. <laughs> so I was like a little bit flustered, you know, to, like getting myself into the groove and, and trying to figure out what we're going to talk about. And then this guy shows up. So anyway, we all have our stuff going on, but oh my gosh, Kelly, you, you're on my Facebook page. Yes. So you see the things that get people talking. Yes. Yeah. It amazes me. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, you know, I try to stay out of politics and re- – okay, that's a freaking lie. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't stay out of that stuff at all. You know why? Because everything goes back to parenting as far as I'm concerned. You know, if you're talking yeah. crap on the president, I don't care if you like him or not. If you're talking crap on the president, you're teaching your children to disrespect authority. Uh huh. That's my opinion, right? So yeah. you know, I, I I get it. You know, I get people are struggling, and I get people disagree with policies and all of that stuff. But I also get that you know some people just don't know how to um, to filter in front of their kids. So you right. know, that's some stuff. But holy crap, did you see the thing that I put up about the parents who are vying for worst parent of the year award? <laughs> And the one, the first one was the parents in Pennsylvania, Way to Go PA, if anybody's new to the show, that's where I'm from. So woohoo, Way to Go PA, in Titusville, Pennsylvania, which is the funniest thing ever because when my son read the story, he read (laughs) Titusville. I'm like, it's Titusville, baby. It's Titusville. But anyway, so these awesome parents decided that when they were having their little 12-year-old daughter's sleepover, they decided that they were going to tattoo the girls, mm. like, for real, like, for real tattoos, like, permanent, forever ink injected in your skin tattoos. No. For real. So the, the little 12-year-old sleepover friend who is not their daughter – um says yeah my mom would be totally cool with it and the parents believed her because psh, why wouldn't somebody else's mom be cool with you giving their kid a 12-year-old kid a tattoo right uh, right so they give her an adorable little smiley face and then tattoo the word bitch across it no because that makes sense <sighs> right i totally missed that who's going to have a problem with that <sighs> I just don't get it. I, 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 p- seriously, seriously, this is the kind of thing that when I hear the phrase, we're all just doing the best we can with what we have available, and I scream bullshit. Yeah. Because no, absolutely, we are not just doing the best we can. That's the best you can do? Holy crap. It's amazing. Oh your God. kid's still alive. So, so there's that. Then in the same article – there's the mom who has her nine-year-old-ish daughter and their friends sleep over, and the big sister of one of the girls has to come pick them up because they're all falling down drunk. Oh, no. The mom is giving doing shots with 11, 9, 10, and 11-year-old girls, and when the big sister comes to pick them up, the, the, the girls are like slurring and falling down drunk. And and the mom's like, well, I don't remember giving them alcohol. But then again, I was completely annihilated. Well, there is a babysitter of the year. <laughs> are these for real stories? These are for real, honest to goodness stories uh, that you can't make this stuff up. I, wow. I, I can't, oh God. so So we have that. Which I just, you know, when you talk about me getting involved in things that are controversial, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. I mean, really, I, I, I just got to speak it. So then, then we have the, uh, the perfect example of American citizenship. You know, everybody that is against the president, like vehemently against the president, one of the big things that they say is that the president makes us look like a laughingstock to other countries, right? That's one of their big arguments, That because of the president of the United States, currently, the United States of America is a laughing stock. Meanwhile, we have the 22-year-old exchange student who goes to Germany and decides to get his body jammed and wedged in a giant vagina statue. Because this is what we do. Like, hey, welcome to Germany. Come into our vagina and get stuck. So 22 of our (laughs) finest firefighters have to come and rescue you. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Yeah, but it's the president that makes us look bad, right? So what I I want to know is why did it take 22 firefighters to get this man out of one giant vagina? Like after three minutes of trying, they would fall asleep or what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So, I mean, as an exchange student, Do you not feel that you have a certain level of, like, citizenship that, like, decorum that you should have to display when you go to another country?
2: I guess you can just do whatever the hell you want.
1: Apparently, especially with giant (laughs) vaginas. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's insane. Only the giant ones.
2: Only the giant giant
1: ones, ones, though, people. (laughs) Let's not get ourselves stuck in, like, a five-foot vagina, a 20-foot foot stone one is what we need to do here's the thing though one thing i can say way to go germany because there is no way in hell you are having a 20-foot vagina erected outside of any government building in the united states of america
3: no i don't think so (laughs) i was just in washington dc and i didn't see one
1: not one vagina in all of dc no not well, we'll lying. have to talk to our DC girls about that. <laughs> see if we can that's get right, that change. That's right. <laughs> so, so this is this goes back to you know this goes back to the manners conversation that we're going to be having in the second segment because I think that, <laughs> I, I I just I don't even know what to say. It's like one of those things where like on a scale of right. zero to even I can't even <laughs> like right. understand. Even. So then here's so, the last one. Okay. The preschool who decided that the best method for calming unruly and fidgety children during naptime is to duct tape them to their sleeping mats. Mm. We think about that one, Kelly.
2: A, I guess that's an option.
1: I find well, that duct tape really is like bad for their skin. Right. I prefer like the the first aid tape. I'm- <laughs> Come on, people.
2: True. Maybe they just did it over their clothing. No big deal.
1: Well, they actually had a sheet. So they had the mat, and then they had a sheet, and then they duct taped the outside. So I guess there's really no potential for, like, an allergic reaction to the <laughs> adhesive. So that's good. Who
3: but does this? <laughs>
1: oh, my God. What is happening, America? Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. If you can't medicate them, duct tape.
3: That's exactly.
1: Duct tape fixes everything. It it just, it astounds me. You know, it's like we we have parents that will not pull their kids out of school because their kids are being bullied. So instead, after a year of bullying, then they decide to sue the school because, you know, because nobody wants to sit down and talk anymore. Like why couldn't that daycare center do something else? Why couldn't they take that kid out of the room and play? Or, you know, why, why the duct tape? Here's the thing. I was, I was just in an MRI. Uh I have restless leg syndrome and I have anxiety issues. So if you were to duct tape me to anything and make it dark, I would hyperventilate. I would go into cardiac arrest. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like, (laughs) as, as, as professionals, we trust these people that are taking care of our children to know the ages and stages of our kids and to be able to do what is necessary to maintain control in that environment without doing permanent mental or physical harm to our kids right and we're we're not seeing that lately uh-uh. and i am dying to know i mean we're going to have we're going to have some Parenting professionals on some, you know, childhood experts on in the next couple shows. But um, yeah, it's, I really want to get to the core of what's going on in America that we are losing our common sense and our sanity as caregivers to our kids. It's just driving me nuts. So when we come back from this break, which we're going to go to in like 20 seconds, uh, we're going to be talking to. Crystal Walker and Phoebe Thompson. And Kelly, you talked to them more than I did. So I'm excited. I, they're going to be fun, right? Right. Very they fun. better be. Super, super. <laughs> <laughs> they're the authors of the hilarious new book, Desperate in D.C., Money, Marriage, and Manners in Washington, D.C. And, well, we need to hear about this when we come back from this break.
0: It takes a village to pay the bills in this freaking studio, which is why Tara's taking a cocktail break and we're taking care of business with the work of these sponsors. Welcome to The Quip with Miriam Nicole Huffman, a modern woman's guide to styling her faith, family, and finances. The online radio show dedicated to today's positive, purpose-driven woman who's ready to heal her heart, her head, and her household by realigning with what she values most. If your highest values are faith, family, finances, and freedom, you're in the right place. Host Miriam Nicole Huffman is a woman on a mission. Her mess-to-success journey has taken her... From life as an upper-middle-class stay-at-home mom to a broke single mom to living a life of joy and wholeness as she builds a thriving business while raising her healthy, happy family. Every week on The Quip, Miriam Nicole shares her love, life, legal, and lifestyle success secrets. Whether it's wisdom you're seeking, inspiration and motivation from someone who's hit rock bottom and risen to success, or you want to know how to fully align your faith, family, and finances to create more freedom for yourself, you're in excellent hands with miriam nicole check out past shows by clicking on the podcast player to the right or check our recent guests in the blog below got a question for miriam nicole want to be a guest on her show email us at the quip at miriam nicole and join us every thursday at 2 p.m central standard time only here on the woohoo radio network to Spark Your Soul Radio with Ann Phyllis. Perspectives with purpose, insights with heart. The WooHoo Radio Network show for spiritual seekers and fire starters who are ready to stop feeling lost, alone, confused, or blocked and start Tuning into your soul speak so you can ignite all areas of your world, from your work to your relationships, lifestyle to legacy. Host Ann Phyllis is a spiritual analyst, fire starter, energy alchemist, and soul truth clairvoyant. Using the heart and purpose-based principles of her signature soul sense system, Anne offers weekly wisdom for tuning in, letting go, unlocking, and unblocking. If you've been walking through life with excess baggage, a heavy heart, a feeling of disconnection from your inner life, consider Anne your guide to spark your soul journey and reignite your relationships, life, purpose, work, and spiritual consciousness. Visit SparkYourSoul.me and listen to Ann every Thursday at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network.
1: Hey parent nation, welcome back to the show. I that was a really fun first segment. I <laughs> I'm that's the direction that we're going in. So, you know, that's if you have something to say or if you have a comment about something that I've posted online or on the Facebook page, speak up because we're going to be talking about this stuff on in the first segment of every show. So, I am really, really excited about my first guests, uh, Crystal Walker and Phoebe Thompson. They're the authors of the hilarious new book, Desperate in D.C., Money, Marriage, and Manners in Washington, D.C. And uh, ladies, oh my gosh, I have to tell you, those things just don't even compute for me because I've been to D.C., (laughs) So welcome to the show. I am so excited to hear from you all. And um, I've read your blog. It is absolutely hysterical. The way the two of you go back and forth with each other is so funny. Um, but I I have to say that all the times that I've been in D.C., I can't
3: see two personalities like you thriving there. Well, this is why we had to become friends, actually, because uh, because they're very... Uh, few and far between people like us who uh maybe uh don't take life so seriously. Um that that's my feeling anyway. And this is Phoebe by the way. You might be able to tell from my accent that uh, I'm I'm the British one.
1: Hey Phoebe, I love Hi. British accents. I always oh, find myself you. like falling into them when I drink. Oh, that's great. Well, that's uh, the the two go very well together. It's and hey,
2: Tara, this is this is Crystal, and uh, yes, I would I would concur with Phoebe that um, we do sometimes find ourselves uh, strangers in a strange land. But we, I feel so lucky to have found Phoebe and to have the rapport that we have. Even sometimes when we disagree about stuff, we can do it. We think with a sense of humor.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. I've seen some of the stuff that you guys disagree about and it's hysterical just like reading some of the, the back and forth and the commentary that you all put up on your blog is really funny. And so how in the world do two average laid back fun people like you even find each other in a place like, D- like D.C.?
3: Well actually as it happens Tara we we're neighbors and we like to think sort of you know soul sisters from from different mothers and different places but uh um, Crystal moved onto my street uh, about 10 years ago. I actually moved here first and was still in shock from, you know, coming from London. And also we'd lived in San Francisco a couple of years. And I was in shock at about how formal DC was and how type A everybody was. And, uh, and then Crystal moved into our street. And my first impression of her was that she was just going to be another type A lawyer. Uh, I actually met her jogging on the street. And I thought, Oh, God, here we go. Another, another fitness fanatic who has to do everything perfectly in her life. And <laughs> uh, um, um, happily, I, she does do everything perfectly, but she does it with a sense of humor. So um, we were able to be friends.
2: I, I, I would dispute her that I do everything, in fact, anything, perfectly, and it's slightly ironic that she met me jogging because I have a firm stance against jogging now. I think it's <laughs> right. bad for bad for everyone's health. But uh, I have to say, Phoebe's delightful personality drew me in when I had a four-year-old daughter about to turn five, no friends on the street, knew no one, happened to to bump into Phoebe after our initial encounter, and said, "Could you please bring your two girls and come to my house and celebrate?" And she promptly went to the the nearest department store bought, you know, many Barbie uh, paraphernalia, gave them all to my daughter, um, who probably still has some of them now at 17, just as a secret treasure. Um, and we became fast friends. It's, it's really rare, I think, um, in any large city, but especially perhaps here to find that kind of connection in Simpatico. So um, oh gosh, we don't yeah. share all the same views, but, but we always have that.
1: So, okay, so in such a highly opinionated, polarized city, town, how do you have differing opinions and not, like, picket on each other's
3: lawns? Well, Tara, I, you know, it, it's funny. I, I actually am um, a little more... Um, conservative um not not so much socially as politically than uh than crystal and uh if you live in a town like dc the uh conservatives tend to um hide um so uh you know I'm, I'm surrounded by liberals in this neighborhood and sometimes it's hard to really you know express your views because you feel judged like you're a horrible person for for thinking that uh you know some things are worth fighting for or that, uh, you know, that, that, you know not, uh, that I happen to sort of think that maybe uh, moving towards sort of uh, nationalized healthcare is not a good idea because I've experienced it in the UK, that kind of thing. But, uh, but Crystal actually listens and, and will kind of respond with, a, a, you know, a, a, an interesting point of view that I hadn't considered before and she doesn't judge me for mine. So I appreciate that. That's
1: awesome, because I, I'll tell you what, here in Pennsylvania, conservatives uh-huh. are not hiding. Right. They yeah. are not. They are strapping their AR-15s to their back
3: and going to Target. Well, so Let me say, I'm not that kind of conservative, but... <laughs> right. And I've never lived anywhere that was like that, so Crystal's always telling me, wait till you go to the Midwest. You'll become a liberal when you go to the Midwest. So, well, well, I have to
2: say, Tara, that's for me one of the, the the points that I like to make about D.C. I don't really take all the politics that seriously. I love to discuss them. I love to talk about them. But as a nice Midwestern girl, I, I understood that we were all entitled to our opinions and that we didn't have to villainize, you know, the other party because they believed something different than we did. So... I think that helps, certainly in our relationship, but probably all of our relationships in D.C.
1: Wow. I wish that you could kind of spread that attitude like a virus in D.C. because that would be so amazingly helpful. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm afraid it's too late for the rest of us. <laughs> oh, my
1: gosh. So tell us a little bit about your book. I mean, aside from the fact that it's like a hysterical journal of what the two of you experienced, tell us a little bit about how it Um, can help maybe lighten up the attitude a little bit?
2: Well, I would say, Tara, for us, you know, it began as this journey of writing email back and forth to each other and pointing out the absurdities and certainly the political world, but also really just in our local uh, village where we live and, you know, making the personalities larger than life. And it was actually Phoebe's... um, terrific and loyal husband who suggested we put it in book form. So really for us, it was a bit of a catharsis. um, Mm -hmm. And the, the book is structured in the form of a lot of social media, a lot of email, Twitter, um, you know, Skype, we call Facebook, me book, Um, you know, a lot of our lives with children and neighbors. And I think for any of us living in this complex technology filled world, it's fun to have that kind of outlet. And we put it together with that in mind. So from our perspective, it makes a really great summer read. Um, It's an August to August chronology in the book. So it would certainly allow someone to gear up for the next uh, political season that's forthcoming.
1: Oh, that's an awesome idea. And, you know, we don't even think about that. We don't even think that there is a political season coming because we, I mean, for a lot of us, we're still stuck in the last one.
3: Right. You know, Tara, (laughs) it's funny you say that. I just came back from a a visit to San Francisco and uh, uh, my friends out there struggled to to have a conversation about politics, which I loved because it just seemed so irrelevant to them. And uh, it's interesting that when you come when you're in D.C., you think it's the most important thing in the world. But it really may not be, you know,
1: online it is
3: online. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. There, there are a lot of very passionate to, uh, people online. Right. So
1: how can we as a nation, because here's where, you know, everything that I talk about always goes back to parenting and bringing up the next generation, because I believe quite honestly that what the culture that we're creating today is destroying the future culture of the United States that's that's my firm belief so what can we do to get back the manners and the the respect and the honor that we used to have and how can we use politics to do it well, Tara,
2: first of all, I have to tell you, I have uh, three teenagers at the moment, so respect is not always high on the agenda in this house. And uh, I, I struggle each day um, with that very question, um, but I think a lot of it does have to do with with the way we interface um, beginning at home. Um, and I probably, you know, as mother of four, have been as guilty as um, so many others of not you know, treating my children with um, the respect they deserve when things are chaotic or busy, but I really do believe firmly that that's where it all starts. Um, and I think taking it to the larger political universe, if you're not, you know, taught those manners early, you're not certainly going to apply them with people that you barely know. So, um, what I do at home with with my kids is try to remind them when they're not particularly respectful to their parents that um, a civil discourse at home, uh, you know is one that is truly important uh, with the people you care about and that they should take those manners out into the
1: larger world. I love that. It's so important. I, and we've lost so much of it. I, I think in this atmosphere of everybody's right and accept mm-hmm. everyone for who they are and mm-hmm. your, your reactions and your feelings are completely up to you regardless of how anyone treats you or what they say to you, I really think that's totally misguided.
3: You're saying that that people shouldn't shouldn't feel that uh, entitled to their opinions, or I'm sorry, I'm not 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 I quite clear, I think or... i think what I'm trying
1: to say is I believe that this whole methodology of living, where anybody should be allowed <laughs> to we're say anything y- to, head to, head to, head to, head to you to or about you, players. yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that we were done, ladies. Oh. This is crazy. Can, we make, can you stay on for the next segment? Sure, I, I, do, love I sure awesome. can. Thank you. Cool.
0: Listen, something is brewing. The beautiful business evolution is coming. The way we do business is about to change for the better forever. This is real business at its very best. Where you matter and your business thrives. Every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. Welcome back to Parent parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, The internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? (laughs) It's
1: time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer.
0: Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now...
1: Back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I just totally lost time, track of time on that last segment, and was completely engrossed in a conversation with my guests, um, Crystal Walker and uh, Phoebe Thompson, who are the authors of Desperate in D.C. And okay, so here's what I was trying to say. But the thing that I was trying to say before we went to the break was I believe that we are misguided when we tell our kids that no matter what anybody says or does to you, you are in control of your reactions. So anybody should be able to say anything they want to you or about you. And it's
3: up to you to not react in a bad way. I think that's absolutely right. That, you know, kids, if you feel like you're not in that you just have to sit there and and take it as a kid and swallow your feelings, Tara, that's a, a terrible message. Um, to kids, but I, I, I you know, I, when you say that, I, I think you're maybe referring to, you know, to my mind, people like internet trolls who just say the most horrible things online, without regard to people's feelings. Yeah, and like, yeah,
1: it's, and I think that it's gotten us away from the basics of manners and decency.
3: Absolutely, I, and I would. Yeah, Crystal, go ahead, because I think Midwesterners are in the best position to talk about manners. so are so mannerly, yeah. and I think... yeah.
2: Well, I think we're, we, we can certainly be mannerly, and of course there's a way to, you know, skewer your enemy and say it in an absolutely polite way, which is a, a skill I do love about the British as well, um, <laughs> but... Um I do think it's 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 an interesting idea that teaching civility means more than um behaving under any circumstance it really means teaching people to be respectful in their tone and in their message um and I think that is perhaps what's been lost um in politics today there is certainly an anything goes Mentality, and I think Tara, that's in part because it gets more media coverage, which is really everything, isn't it, these days when people are desperate to raise money for the next campaign? And they say all publicity is good publicity, which can also be a problem.
1: You know, I have found that to be a very untrue statement.
3: <laughs> no, publicity is good publicity. <laughs> yeah, I used to
1: believe that when I was like, you know, really new and I just wanted anybody to talk about my book or anybody to talk about my radio show or whatever. And I, I got this attitude of, you know, any publicity is good publicity. And then I started thinking about it and I thought, you know, if there are people out there whose only goal is to belittle me or make me look the fool. They're not in my tribe, and they're not the kind of publicity I don't want to reach those people.
3: Right? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's completely reasonable. And as you know, as everything is, you know, I, I, you know, my paranoia is that we're going to be filmed and um, doing everything in life. Every time I go into a public bathroom now, I worry about hidden cameras and stuff like that. So I do think, uh, you know, uh, we're all unfortunately going to be. Famous, whether we like it or not, for all our missteps, and that's not a good thing. So, something, something. <laughs> I get you. It's true. You do something
1: really wrong, and it's going to wind you up on TV. I love the people who, when I speak about something that I believe is a social injustice, or um, you know, I believe that it's against the building the character of future generations, and people will say, "Well, that was an accident. They didn't mean for that to go viral." I'm like, really? Come on. Uh-huh. A- yeah, everything is going to go viral, right? Exactly. If it's ludicrous enough, it's going to go yeah. viral. So, how hard is it to raise a family in the states in the nation's capital?
2: Well, I think, Tara, really there are a couple of approaches you can take. And I think, um, you know, one mistake I would acknowledge early on is that, you know, D.C. is a town about power really even more than than money or certainly about fashion. We will leave that discussion for another time. (laughs) But um, I would say that um, proximity to power is everything. But you can easily get caught up in the idea that where your children go to school or who they associate with is really the most important um, but time really gives you some perspective because when you find good friends, um, as Phoebe and I have found each other and, you know, people who may be in government or not, but certainly not the most important people in this town, you find that that those are the things that really matter. And, you know, where your child may go to elementary school or even upper school or, frankly, college um, isn't um, isn't going to make or break their life, and, and certainly doesn't determine their happiness or their their success trajectory. So it's very easy to get caught up in it. Um, I think with some maturity and time, people can learn to step back from
1: that. That's I love that you said that because that is something that I have been struggling with since the Baby Einstein videos came out <laughs> and <laughs> the Daddy Daycare. Do you remember, did you guys see the movie Daddy Daycare? Oh, yeah. yeah right? And they're putting them in these collegiate level preschools. And at the time, it was absurd. But when you think about the fact that people really do things like this, is that more prevalent, would you say, in
3: your area than, let's
1: say, in the Midwest? Do you know
3: what, Tara? I think it's everywhere now. But I do think, you know, of all the places I've lived in my life, I've lived in quite a few. D.C. has the most type A people. So you can quickly get depressed if you're talking to a fellow parent about, uh, you know, their child, and somehow their kid is always, you know, saving orphans in Haiti over the summer, and then, you know, going to MIT to do a, you know, an engineering course in their spare time, and this is all before the age of 10, by the way. So no I'm exaggerating, but uh, it's something we write about in the book, and have fun with, and it, you 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 have to really, you know, take a deep breath and and remember, as as Crystal says that. Uh, You know, these super achieving parents and their perfect children, um, you also see them, you know, have their struggles over time if you live here long enough. So um, it's it is not the, the only way to be for sure. And it's something you do have to keep in mind.
1: So do you do you kind of shelter your children from that?
2: Uh, alas, the one thing I'm particularly bad at doing is sheltering my children. Um, I-, I err on the side of letting them be exposed to probably too much, but seeing what I hope, are the family's values around things and deciding um, for themselves. What I have found, um, frankly, in this town is it, the more you try to limit things, the more they gravitate towards them. So I certainly have boundaries, but I, I've found that it really depends more upon the kid than, um, you know, upon the exposure to an actual thing, whether it be technology or friendships. Um, so really just continuing to talk to them about everything they're exposed to seems to work the best, at least in my house.
1: That's a really great idea. I, I, I'm i kind of the same way, you know. I kind of let my kids go out and, like, bounce off of stuff and decide for themselves what works for them and what doesn't. But then again, you know, I'm not raising them in a city where elitism is, you know, like a religion. So Right. You know, I mean, that would have to be a complete struggle. I can't even imagine what it would be like to try to explain to my kids why, you know, certain children are unavailable because they have 4,000 extracurricular activities that they have to go to or, you know, I'm sorry that you have to go to this class, but everybody else in our group is going there. So if we want to
3: fit in, you have to go there. I mean, do people do stuff like that? Absolutely, Tara actually, you know I was like I said, I was just in San Francisco visiting some old friends who had kids, and their kids are doing nothing all summer they're they're going to Cape Cod and hanging out you know with family um for six weeks, but every kid I know in d c is is doing something, and uh, um you know they're getting internships through their parents' connections and their um uh, you know, doing, like I said, these courses, I mean, I, I can't tell you the number of kids I hear about doing a course at Oxford or Cambridge or, you know, uh, Stanford, going to family camp at Stanford, this kind of thing. And it's very easy to start thinking that you're completely failing your kids by not uh, doing this stuff with them. But then, then again, I think, Crystal, my idea of hell is family camp at Stanford, isn't it, Crystal? <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, let's not even go there. My kids are going to sleep away camp, Tara, and that does not include me.
1: So,
2: I will put in a plug for a little parental time alone.
1: That's amazing. That's amazing. It's the experiences that I've had in DC, I have to be honest with you. I do a lot of work with charitable organizations, so it I find myself in the DC area frequently. And I've never except from Old Town, besides Old Town, uh-huh. I have not had the experiences in the areas that you're talking about. Every, everywhere I seem to go, I'm like, dear God, don't let me get lost because they're going to steal my car and <laughs> I'm going to die.
3: Like- <laughs> well, yes, it's true. We do live in a – we call it the bubble. Where we live in a – we and we also call it the village, Tara. It actually technically is a village. We live in a suburb just uh, across the D.C. border. You can literally walk across, but it, it is very um, – you know, safe and, you know, bucolic, green and leafy streets. And we have 12 police officers for zero crime, that kind of thing. So it depends where you are in D.C. Um, but when you live in a bubble like we do, you, you actually do need a reality check uh, even, even more, I think, than uh, um, than most neighborhoods in D.C. So, yes, it's certainly it's certainly not true that everyone is privileged in, in, in the city. And I think one of the things that helps um, for my kids is they go to a public school And so they're actually, every day, even though it's a, a, you know, a lot of the kids are wealthy at the school, um, a a lot of them also aren't and have real, you know, family problems. And um, so they're kind of aware that they are privileged, even though they often, you know, I often think they're going to think that, uh, you know, we're the poor relations compared to to half our neighbors. So um, help help to be exposed to, to different places, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would, I personally would have to take my kids into the the metro area of D.C. regularly just so that they could get an idea of what they do have. It's right. Oh, my gosh. It's just crazy. (laughs) Just coming into the area. I'm like, I want to go to McDonald's, but not that badly. It's
2: (laughs) (laughs) right. Well, I hope, Tara, maybe next time you're here, you'll visit us. We would love to give you our own little, you know, private guided tour to D.C. as we know it.
1: That would be amazing because I've been to um, – we go to the evening parade quite often. Sure. Well, every year we go to the evening parade. So that section is absolutely beautiful where the Marine Corps barracks are and the, and the commandant's home. It, oh, yes. Yeah. Right? That's a beautiful area. And, but then like right outside of there, oh, gosh, scary, scary. So I am so glad that you guys got to stay on for a second segment That was really a lot of fun. There are a thousand more things that we could talk about, like, you know, the fashion thing that you're talking about.
3: I, oh yes. yeah, well, the, the lack of fashion yeah. in DC. Yes, that's a whole different subject. We do we have fun with it in the book, don't we, Crystal? <laughs>
2: well, we do, and, and we certainly don't want to set ourselves up as fashionistas. Our teenagers often tell us otherwise, but if nothing else, we we, we try to dress like our teens, uh, appropriate or not.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Ex- right, it's, and no twerking at the school dances in in shorts with juicy written across the bottom. I'm
3: sure. So, well, <laughs> you know, our t- children tell us not to. Let's put it that way. <laughs>
1: Ladies, oh my gosh, thank you so much for coming on and laughing and just making light of this whole crazy situation that we call politics and, uh, you know, upper crust life and, you know, trying to raise decent kids in uh, really an indecent society. So I really appreciate you taking the time. And people can get your book on your website. Again, it's called Desperate in D.C. Money, Marriage, and Manners in Washington, D.C. Thank you so much, Crystal and Phoebe. And I hope that we have you on again sometime soon.
3: Thank you. Have a great day, Tara. You too. We'd love that Crystal. Tara. Thank you. business with the work of these sponsors.
0: sacred cuisines and sacred rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Velasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velasi's words, when we We do old things in new ways and new things in old ways. We paint with an inspired palette. Weave our own healing traditions and become our own guru. Velasi is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures to her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons. Her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time only here on the WooHoo Radio Network
1: Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. That was so fun talking to the girls from DC. And um, we were going to have another person on who was going to be talking about his toy business that helps uh, children on the autism spectrum. Um, But there was a little bit of a miscommunication and this happens with live radio. So hopefully we'll be able to get Michael Miller on another time. But... In this last part of the show, I'm really, really excited to be talking to two really awesome ladies from totally different parts of the globe. Um, and they have an organization called Going Wild, and their names are Joe Schofield and Fiona Danks. And it's so funny because um they're from England and Scotland, which I absolutely love. I we're we're getting the whole like English British speaking contingent on here. And uh I I just love everything about Scotland because well I'm Irish so well yeah. that doesn't have anything to do with Scotland but anyway so the thing that I love about these ladies is their whole going wild concept is inspiring young people to get off the couch which we all need and get outside and start doing some stuff which again we all need so ladies Joe and Fiona are you available are you there we are I'm oh, Joe. <laughs> hi Tara I'm Fiona you're going to have to direct
4: questions directly to one or other of us I think to make this work
1: (laughs) oh my gosh I think we'll be okay really it's it'll be fine we're we're kind of free-flowing on this show and but so tell me about going going wild is it a book is it a concept is it a program Um, yeah
4: yeah yeah um
5: it well it Well, it's it's everything. It's just basically we got together years and years ago when our children were little and we wanted to just inspire families to get outdoors. So we started writing books and we've now got seven packed full of all different ideas of easy things to do outdoors, things that you don't need much preparation, much time, things that kids will find fun and hopefully parents will as well.
1: That's awesome. And you guys are in... Like a totally different part of the world. So, let me tell you this: Do you deal with the obsessive, compulsive, bubble wrapping of children in England and Scotland that we deal with here in the United States? Yes,
4: absolutely. That's happened all the time here. That uh, there's, we, we live in a very risk-averse society, right? where actually the reality is that children need to learn about risk because life is full of risk. And yeah, our, our, our ethos is very much that you do need to get children to learn about risk a step at a time. Um, when our first book came out, which is called Nature's Playground, it was full of lots of activities for quite young children. And when our publisher wanted us to do another book, they came to us and said, "Actually, we think you need to have some more dangerous activities in here." So, because children need to learn about those things, so our second book was called "Go Wild," and that's full of bushcraft activities, and that includes things like how to make fires safely, um, how to make a bow and arrows and use them safely, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's very much our philosophy that you know children are wrapped up in bubble wrap, kept indoors not exposed to well it's not exposed to different um, experiences. And so our philosophy is get them out and to learn about the natural world and get them and to learn about risk. So I have to my- tell you,
1: this I that is so awesome to me because well I read an article recently about these junk playgrounds, which are like were they're literally what you were just describing. Where yeah. it's just junk. Like people take old tires and mattresses and refrigerators without the doors on and they just take them to this place and kids go there and they get dirty and muddy and and they get cuts and bruises and they have to work things out. And you can, can, I don't even know if you can imagine the uproar. Like I can just imagine American parents sitting next to their, their computers listening to this show when you said – a book about teaching children how to build fires and make bows and arrows, and parents going, oh, no way, no. Mm-mm. Not my kid, not going there. Because We are so paranoid. Like, my kids are amazing at building fires. Like, it's amazing my house is still standing, quite honestly.
5: <laughs> I think that's we've, – we we've actually believe that passionately, that if you actually give them a lot of responsibility but you drip feed it, you don't just give them a box of matches and leave them to it when they're three – but you, you you introduce it and they learn safely about it and they learn the risks and then they become much more competent uh, adults when they're 16 and they're out in that big, wild world. You've prepared them for it, actually. And and it's very important. I mean, if you think about it, children have a knife and fork um, and you have a knife quite early on to eat with and it's a tool. So we believe that actually if you teach them that, that it's tools and then and quite early then it's just a different way of looking at it and and likewise we're quite happy about letting our kids get muddy on the rugby or football pitch but then we worry if they get their clothes dirty when they're playing
4: (laughs) I also I also want to add at this point that I think there's so much focus on the negative what about the positive Joe and I have found over the years that some of the most special outdoor experiences have been sitting around a fire it brings people together you know, you can look up at the night sky. People start telling stories. It's just the most wonderful, special experience.
1: It's, I, I'm not a big fan of camping, but I go regularly because I'm the only female anything in my house. <laughs> and, and my guys love it. And I have to tell you that when they catch a snake... Or when they find, you know, a, a piece of wood or something like that, and they start to whittle it into something cool using their pocket knife, that to me is an amazing learning experience. And I can't even tell you how many parents I would tell those stories to, and they would say, that's so dangerous, I can't believe that you let your children do that. One of the big things that started here in the USA was in the Chicago Park Program's A child fell off of a sliding board back in the 90s. Actually, it was the late 80s. And it started this entire process of uniforming playground equipment so that children could not be hurt. Mm -hmm. And it's what took away those giant 30-foot sliding boards, you know, the twisty ones. And it's what took away wooden seesaws, And, you know, all of those fun things that we pinched our fingers in and we got splinters in our legs and we had a blast doing it. And we just don't see those kinds of things in the U.S. anymore. And now we've gotten to the point where we won't let our kids outside because we can't protect them from the big bad wolf out there. So
4: when they grow up, you know the big bad wolf is out there. We just have to learn, give our children the mechanisms and the, the skills and the awareness of the world that they can cope with it.
1: I absolutely love that. It's so important, and I th- it's actually the basis of my next book, which is kind of funny. I think we could talk for hours about this subject. My husband and I were just recently in Barcelona, and the, the, number, the sheer number of children playing by themselves in plazas and open spaces without adult supervision shocked us. Mm-hmm. I we think, think like there's a lot,
5: of, uh, a lot of research coming out now, though, like Fiona highlighted just earlier, saying the benefits. And I think if people were more aware that actually children stand to do better in so many different aspects, if they are allowed free play, um, then they may be more willing to take a little bit of risks and let their child learn about risk. And, and I mean, they, they found that children even do better at school if they go outdoors regularly before they're seven playing free play. They even do better at literacy, maths, communication, all things that you might not actually expect because they're learning to think for themselves. So it um, yeah, develops problem solving skills. Yeah, mm-hmm. and right? self-esteem and, it, and, and they've found actually they're getting less depressed. And they're, they're, it's solving a lot of the obesity problems that's getting. So actually, the huge benefit and the other big benefit that Fiona and I believe in is also the benefit for the natural world, because unless children understand it and they understand it through playing in it, then they may want not be so bothered about protecting it in the future. And it's something we all are going to need to rely on. <laughs> or we're wow, all
1: that's on. an amazing point. If we never allow our children to appreciate and experience nature, why do they give a crap about saving and preserving it? Exactly. Exactly. Wow, what an amazing point. That's pretty awesome. This is double.
5: Double. It it benefits the children themselves, but it also benefits our environment and planet ultimately.
1: And wow, all
4: of.
1: (laughs) Think about all those kids out there in the parks picking up trash. (laughs) That would help. (laughs) It would, it would, or even better, not dropping it in the first place. Right, exactly. Well, they have to clean up after us adults because we yes, just, maybe, maybe. You know, we're just slobs, you know, when it comes right down to it. And the the other thing that's amazing to me is you are talking about how children develop their own barometers for safety. And, yeah. you know, I find it fascinating that a parent would sooner smack a child's hand or bottom to stop them from getting burned then let them maybe get burned a little tiny bit and never, ever do it again. That's
4: the best way to learn, isn't it, from real experiences.
1: But yet you um, say to a parent, well, just let them, you know, let them touch the stove one time and then they won't do it again. And they're like, no, I'm not going to let my child get hurt like that. But yet you're willing to stand there and smack them until they stop. (laughs)
5: But I think there's also risks everywhere. There's risks indoors. I mean, there's risks of them falling out of bed. I think there's quite, there are statistics that there are more children who fall out of bed in A&E than there are who fall out of a tree. But um, it's, just wow. our, it's just our perception of it as parents, isn't it, I think? we we just <laughs> got to chill out a
1: bit more and relax. <laughs> we do. We have to lay back a little bit more. And you know what else? Let your children teach you what they've learned. Yeah. Let your child take you for a walk. Yeah. Exactly. It's looking from
5: the child's perspective and seeing what they think is fun. Oh my gosh.
1: Um, You guys are amazing. I am so thrilled that you were able to join us today. Ladies, we're going to have to have you back on. I know that this was quite an undertaking to get you here from all over the world, but we're gonna have to have you back on because I love everything that you have to say and it totally and we've fits. We've got so lots of lovely ideas that we could give you for the summer holidays how to sort of have fun adventures with your family.
5: So we yeah, should do we should
1: post some of those on the website on Parent Nation Facebook page and on the website so people can check it out and see what and also, what you have to say. I love that. In the meantime, check out Going Wild check out the website and get the book thanks everybody for joining until next week keep playing decision in parenting has to contain a hidden message or a life lesson sometimes it just has to pass mom's little barometer of is this going to shut them up
0: connect with tara online at tarakennedykline.com until next time remember this
1: parent nation why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet why don't we just
2: appreciate the gift that we're given